0: Biggest Bad Boys Podcast presents Matt
1: Michaels. People I don't hate. Hey everybody, it's Matt Michaels here on the Biggest Bad Boys of Podcasting. Today I am joined by one fierce MMA boxing wrestling (laughs) uh, pitbull loving Star Wars fan Daniel Pitbull Cone. How's it going? And who is with you?
0: Right now we have Karma. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. All the way from Vegas, the Vegas bad boys. Let's go. I'm down in Florida, so we got a little, we have a time difference, but I had my coffee, even though <laughs> <laughs> so it's pretty late. <laughs> my 10 p.m. coffee. <laughs> um, yeah, my my 70 pound lap dog, yeah. Karma. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. she wanted to be on right before the frame started
1: <laughs> oh my god what um what is her breed
0: she's a pit bull mix like she uh my brother thinks she's a pointer mix i i asked you i rescued her um i was doing door-to-door sales i was doing uh go door-to-door and offer impact windows roofing door like the kitchens the whole nine and i saw her it was in the middle i don't know if you know anything about um the Bad neighborhoods in Miami There's this is a neighborhood called Opalaca so if you're down oh. here you know it's like pretty pretty bad yeah and to make a long story short she was tied up to a tree in the backyard completely like skin and bones and you can see she's blonde yeah she was the color she was the color of the, the computer she was gray oh, she's so dirty oh. so I asked. Oh. I asked the owner like hey like do you do you want your dog like, I'll, I'll, or do you, do you need help? And they just gave her to me. And I went home with a dog that day, failed foster. I was supposed to, I was supposed to bring her to my shelter. And I ended up keeping her. This is how it goes with the rescue game. You don't, you typically keep all your rescue.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, you know what? And that's something that I've always wondered about because, um, you know, f- and, and it's really also a new, uh, a newer concept of fostering, and I know if I'd start fostering, forget it. It'd be like I'd have ninety pets, and be like, "We're good."
0: <laughs> it's hard because they'd be. Uh, it's like I don't know how people do it with uh, with humans, because yeah. you know it's not going to be like at least with dogs that could finagle, you could keep your the dog. whatever. but like with a human, like you already know you have a three month and that kid is being shipped out to california to italy like there is no option of i want to adopt him it's not you it's not your kid yeah. so that's like even more more of a heartbreak yeah so. <laughs> but
1: it's it's just a gorgeous gorgeous dog too um you know it, it it's amazing how you can take um someone who is so neglected and then just give them a little love and give them a little nourishment And they'll be the, you know, the brightest, happiest pup around. It's, it's amazing. And how long, you've been doing it for like seven or eight years now for for, uh, working at the rescue?
0: Yeah, it's going on six and this September will be six years. And I'm just a volunteer, you know, I used to live in Boca and I live, that's 40 minutes north of where I live now. And she doesn't talk about the dog. She's like, thanks, mom. <laughs> <laughs> she, um, so I used to live on campus at FAU, and I used to go there every single day. So for the first two and a half years, I was there every single day. Wow. And now I only go on Sundays, sometimes on, like, Thursdays, but typically once a week. So I started <laughs> I started uh, very frequently, and I, I definitely was, like, part of the pack. But I never got paid for this, like never ever. Yeah. I just do it because I love it, and I the amount of uh, dogs that I feel like I've helped get adopted is worth it's priceless. So I don't. I, I think not getting paid was the best thing because you don't feel like it's a job. Right. You Definitely don't. You walk in because you want to.
1: Right. Um. And you know, thinking <laughs> of that line, you know, along those lines with your um, your mentality about if you love it. If you want to do it, then it doesn't become a job. When you started fighting, what was it about the gym that kept bringing you back, whether it be the training or the working out? Because a lot of times when you start in a fight game, you put in, you know, sometimes a couple of weeks, a couple of months. And then you're just like, nope, it's not for me. I can't have that discipline. How did you find the love for yourself in that position?
0: I think that uh, in the beginning, I I was going through a heartbreak and, and when you're best the best shape of your life will always be after a breakup It just is what it is (laughs) so that that was the drive in the beginning was I got dumped and I wanted to be stronger than any man and that's just like what I wanted and that was like the initial drive and then after a couple years in the game you need a you need something more substance and it just so happened I went through another heartbreak the loss of my father so when when I was just the most angriest I could have been and I still to this day I'll have I'll have more sad days than angry days. Yeah, but you need an outlet. So it's an. I feel like a fighting world is more of an outlet and it's a therapy. So without it in my day, I have a bad day. Even though it's a pretty painful sport, whether it's wrestling, like I know you you deal with a lot of the AEW WWE, like that's still a very painful sport. But I'm so, I'm not in a, a gym like that. I'm in a boxing gym and an MMA gym. So I don't. But either way, any type of fighting, whether it's wrestling or it's boxing or MMA, like you're, you definitely have the daily therapy because of how much physical pain you're in every day. It's almost, it's almost like you enjoy the pain because you'd rather be in that pain than the mental pain of what you deal with in your daily.
1: <laughs> no, you're 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 a hundred percent right. I know when I was training in the early two thousands, um it was interesting because you when you start feeling the pain at first it's exactly that it's painful. Mm-hmm. And then after you know a couple days, a couple weeks, a couple months, it moves from pain to almost your body you know even though you know you're you're putting your body through hell you need that to feel the same high that you get from you know it's it's a very addictive thing because your body's putting out so much uh you know endorphins that you really kind of start feeling not normal if you're not going through that and that's yeah, that's amazing that you you identify that with you know the pain of your life replacing that pain with self-inflicted pain essentially is what we do um let me ask you about you know growing up and were you um would you consider yourself kind of um daddy's girl um what was your relationship like with your father
0: me and him were like we're best friends like whole life He was always, uh, my dad was really into sports. It wasn't fighting ever. Like fighting was never a thing in the house. I am the first (laughs) of my whole family on both sides to be in fighting and I'm a female. So like fighting was never a household thing until I I, like pioneered that. But my dad was always into sports. And I I say now, if he was alive, like we would be so perfect because of all the sports betting. He knew every team, baseball, football, golf. I don't care. He knew every team, every coach, everything. And I was always like a a bro and in with the boys because my dad was just such a sports fanatic. He knew everything, so I was always around sports and competition my whole life. He was he wasn't my soccer coach, but he was the he was my soccer coach like once or twice. But he was um, he was always like there, like yelling and screaming as if it was a fight. You know, sure. like, the, the person, like, you know, the dad that is just, like, screaming at all the kids and, co- like, coaches, like, no filter, doesn't care, I don't care who you are, like, like, he's just, we're real aggressive, like, real sports fans, and um, that's the thing, like, uh, never be embarrassed, like, when you're watching a sports game, you know, that guy who's yelling, like, I'm like, good for him, most people be like, oh, he's yelling too loud, too loud. it's like, nah, That's like, not even close to so what i like i, I could walk anywhere and uh the one thing that's that's a uh, annoys me with people like don't be too loud like shh. like someone shushes me is the most disrespectful thing to do especially if it's like your friend like that's when i 86 you as a friend don't ever shush me my dad always said like be as loud as you want do whatever the fuck
1: you want it's your fucking life <laughs> so
0: yeah me and my yeah. dad were very close growing
1: up. <laughs> um yankees fans
0: I wear my Yankee hat a lot because he's from New York. And then I had a friend, uh, really my best friend passed two years before my dad. So in April of 18th of 20, 2019, no, 2017. So he passed only a few years ago and uh, he would wear a Yankee hat every day. And that was like his thing. So when he passed, I actually like, made one for him, like embroidered it and everything. Cause that's all I would see. Like that's the only thing I would think of for our, his name is Albert. I would always see him in a Yankee and he was from Jersey. And then just so happens, like my dad is from New York. So I just always rep the Yankees. Like my dad did not care for the Yankees. My dad was a sports fan. He was like, fuck the Yankees. So it's not even, but it's the <laughs> fact that it's from New York. And the same thing with my, my friend from New York, from Jersey, he, did he was not a sports fan at all and he just repped it because he's from the area like so it has nothing to do with the Yankees it just has to do with the fact that they would sure there's York. you would wear it. I like the the sim like logo yeah so I, I'll rep it all day
1: <laughs> yeah and the, and I, one of the things I love about because i I'm kind of the same way I, I do like the Yankees I, I'm actually a huge baseball fan in general but I like mm-hmm. the fact that in the recent years you have so many choices of, you know, Yankees hats and that NY logo is so iconic that you can yeah. now, you know, color code it with different outfits and you know, it really just is kind of cool that you know, people can represent that pride and that love for the city just by wearing a simple yeah. hat or, or shirt that has that logo. And that's amazing that you know, you're you're also not only doing it. Uh, you're doing it out of the love for your friend and for your dad. And I think that's that's amazing to uh, to have that as a, a living tribute. Um, so let's get into a little bit of how you found, you know, competitive um, fighting. What was it that drew you in? Because like you said, your dad didn't really watch fighting. Uh, yeah, he didn't watch fighting. Yeah. <laughs> How, how until I started
0: fighting. He yeah. didn't watch fighting. He was against it. Wow. <laughs> and then he was like, okay, she wants to do this. I'm going to start watching it. But he was never, ever on board at all up until like the last week before he passed. And he, I remember it was during COVID. So he died of COVID. And we we're on lockdown. And there was a lot of reruns of USC fights, like the McGregor fight was on. And we're, he was watching the McGregor fight. And I'm just like laughing to myself because I'm, Cause one thing, and at this point, I haven't fought yet. I didn't fight till after he passed away. Right. So my first official fight was not till a year after he passed away. So he uh, he was watching the fight in the back of my head. I'm like, he's only watching this shit because of me. like yeah. he, doesn't sure. <laughs> he doesn't watch this. He doesn't watch uh, this. So he uh, going. I forgot your question. Honestly, no, just,
1: how how did you how did you discover? You know, like fought, to fight. Yeah. How did or, you like, fight?
0: The train? To train.
1: Well, a a little bit of both, because, you know, it's it's not every day that someone um, actively goes, especially if you're a woman, goes, um, you know what, I'm going to start, you know, throwing fists and getting punched in the (laughs) face.
0: (laughs) Oh, 100 percent. 100 percent. Like initially, initially it was a heartbreak for the reason I started training. And yeah. I really just wanted to prove to myself I could be stronger than a man. It was never to compete. It was just to yeah. be stronger than. And then after he passed, it was it was like, I'm angry. Like, I need to do something. Like, I need to actually gotcha. physically hurt someone. You don't do that when you're training. Like, I spar all the time. I spar weekly. But you don't physically hurt your teammates. When you go into the ring, like, if you've been in the ring, you know it's the person in front of you is virtually trying to kill you at the same time that you're trying to kill them it is all in a hundred percent like you don't stop until the ref says stop right so that feeling of of caveman i like i need to hurt someone like and it's so sad but it's technical it's a technical skill but it's still it's the the pain business is the hurt yeah. business yeah so i just i I wanted to compete because number one, I'm I'm angry. Like I'm no, I am not okay that this happened, and I just told myself I'm gonna keep his name alive, keep the legacy of Cohen alive. I personally don't want kids. I want as many dogs as possible. I don't want kids. I don't want marriage. I don't want any of that shit. So the only way I'm gonna keep my dad's name alive right. is to do something epic. And it just so happens the most epic thing I can do is to, is to fight. <laughs>
1: No, it's, it's, it's wonderful. Um, I, I just, this, um, this past week, um, I had a a friend of mine who was on the wrestling team with me when I was young and, um, we, um, we shared, um, kind of, uh, connection through, uh, both being, uh, Serbian and, um, I knew his, uh, his uncle, since I was a little guy going to church and we started wrestling together and he was one of the strongest kids, man. I mean, the the guy was so strong for, you know, being 13, 14, 15 years old. And, um, you know, again, it was, you know, COVID got him, And I couldn't comprehend, and I still can't, the fact that someone so strong, um, could, you know, lose his, lose his life and and it's kind of like you said um it's interesting because uh ironically enough i you know i was going (laughs) i was going through very very mild covid very you know just like a cold no big deal but at the same time having that feeling of being flushed, you know fatigued and stuff and at the same time and you hit it on that angry just so angry and it's like i can't you know uh, you know Luckily, I'm almost over that hump where I can get into a gym and I can start physically, you know, doing stuff to take out that aggression. But I can totally relate to what you're saying about that line of just needing that outlet for that physicality. And, you know, when you started, when you started getting that taste of realizing, um, and like you said, sparring is one thing. But then getting that chance to have the first actual competition, a competitive match where you are literally trying to destroy the person in front of you. And they're trying to do the same to you. What was that rush like for you in that first experience? And was it hard to process everything you learned in terms of did it go out the window and you just use that anger and aggression to just go because <laughs> I know that's kind of a hard thing. I've been kind of there where you just like you have all this preparation and training and then the minute the the bell hits, you it's all out the window and you're just crazily just trying to kill someone. How was that for you? Well, first, first, I'm so sorry for your loss.
0: I had no idea. I knew you went through COVID last week because I remember going back and forth. I didn't know you lost someone. The same week, last week.
1: Yeah, it wow. came out of nowhere. It, and and I feel so bad for his wife. Um and, uh, God, I yeah, I I can only imagine how you feel, you know, losing your father. Um
0: Yeah.
1: And it, it, it's tough. I mean losing anyone to anything is, is tough, but to know that, you know, um again, you know, the strong people you know in your life that you look at as a strong person. And they and they lose their life to something like covid it's just again anger yeah
0: yeah there's no way not to be extremely angry and it's almost like you know you don't even have to be angry <laughs> you're like do you be angry at the world at the health system like what do you what are we it that's that's the one thing that like sucks the most is not knowing what to be angry at like in the moment I remember my first time my first competition was I wouldn't say it was my first fight it was my first jiu-jitsu competition mm-hmm. that was a couple years back that was like 2019 and I did have to fight above my weight class okay oh, oh, I had to fight I was back then I was like walking around at like 130 so I fought a 160 okay. In a gi match, white belt, white belt. Yeah, I'm talking, like, three or four wow. weight classes on top of me because in jiu-jitsu, it's five pound, five pound, five pound. Like, this is, right. like, definitely your jumping weight classes. And then for the um, no-gi match, I fought, fought a blue belt. So for the, I think, what was it? No-gi was first. No-gi was first, okay? You walk in, and when I say, like, you are definitely, like, MMA is one thing, boxing and fighting is one thing. A grappling match, and you know this from wrestling. It is that caveman feeling of I am going to hurt you. I'm gonna because it's all grabbing. Yep. It's not like that. You can get in, get out, foot. No, 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 no. You are going in. Falls to the wall. So I do remember my first match. I definitely. Uh, you see, I saw red. I saw red. Everything. Just how you said. Everything went out the window. Uh, I just remember. Just seeing red with this girl. And I was not supposed to win. I am a white belt. She is a experienced blue belt. She was yeah. taller than me. That was insane. I ended up winning the fight. <laughs> she got no points on me. I, I rocked both. But in the moment, so many things that you don't realize until you get experience. That's so important. Now I understand why you should have a longer amateur career or more experience. Because one of the main things, you uh, lose sense of time yes so it's a yes three minutes your yeah, time is non-existent that was the longest three minutes of my life nor did i know where that there was a clock that was just right there i could have looked at any time i had no idea so like just things like yes. the littlest thing you would think would be no big deal that you don't know unless you you've winning. so yeah. at the very just to see how red i was seeing at the very end of the match the last like 40 seconds I had no idea I'm winning because I didn't know you could see the points <laughs> I had no idea what time it was it felt like 30 minutes of your life when you see red like that and I just remember at the end I grabbed the girl um she was she went I I took her down for a takedown and then she I still standing up and she was on the floor and she was trying to grab my leg so I just took her and I I strangled her and I had one arm but once she put two that's when it's illegal. And right. that was completely me seeing red. And I just remember the ref running up. And I noticed he's running up. And I'd, like, let go of one hand. And then went back to right here. And that, But you if you see it from the video, you can see I'm strangling this girl. And I talked to the ref after. He's like, I knew. Like, I talked to him maybe, like, six months late. Yeah. And he was like, I remember you strangling. I saw. I swear you were. I was like, you damn right. 100%. I should have been DQ'd. It should have been D. Yeah. And then the same thing happened with the the Yi match. I uh, picked the girl up, and because she kept Spider Monkey trying to armbar me, flying armbar. You're a white belt, sure, sure. A white belt. She went for a flying armbar like seven times, and on the seventh time, I was like, "I." She went for the flying armbar, and I just let because you have to. I have to hold you back. Right. I just let go, and she dropped in her head, and the medic came, and they ended the fight. But I won both
1: matches.
0: Oh. 100% fight or flight, you see red. And oh. now, this is now my third fight was the, technically, if you want to count the jujitsu, two fights right there. And then I did an underground boxing versus I I've, I fought a man. Two more, so that's four. Plus three, that's... <laughs> wait, wait, wait. My count is horrible. Seven. So now my seventh fight. Seventh time competing in the fighting world yeah. was my last fight. That was the most aware of everything I could hear my coach I could I knew uh to visualize the fight hundreds of I visualized that fight weeks before hundreds of hundreds of the day from the, from breakfast to 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 shower to dogs walking I mean every ounce of my day and if one thing went wrong I already visualized the fight from the moment that bell rung the walkout song everything was visualized I was so calm there was no scene wrecked. Yes, I was definitely angry. I use things to get me angry, like little secret shit to get me angry. Because sure. I do believe in, I can't go in there not being slightly mad. Yeah, I have to yeah. be slightly mad to fight someone. You just have to. Yeah. For me, other people could go in goofy or something. Like, no, it's not how I fight. I you could see how angry I'm. You see, I'm like, Fuck it. like, let's go. Uh, but I do not. I have. I didn't see red right that time, which is unhappy about. But that's from adding more sparring to my camp, which is essentially more organized fighting. But in the beginning, the first couple of fights, I would see red. Everything's out the window. Technical skills out the window. Training's out the window. I don't care what my coach said in the corner. I wasn't listening. I was, but like I wasn't yeah. doing what they said. <laughs> it didn't yeah. matter. I was like, I'm not, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I'm not doing that.
1: <laughs> it's it's funny you say that because that, that makes me think back. You know, I there was a time when I was, you know, I started when I was like ten, and when you're ten, 10, 11 years old, you're you're doing it because you've seen pro wrestling on TV, you know? And it's like, oh, the only outlet for you at that time in the in the 80s was, you know, getting on the mat and grappling. And at some point, it goes from being a kid to being a man. And yeah. and I think one of, and my buddy who, who passed away was really the one who kind of triggered that concept in my head because to that point, wrestling was um just fun you know you're you're just a kid having a good time like playing little league or you know anything like that you know and as soon as you got stuff where you know headlocks were just being cranked and you're getting cross faces and you're getting chicken winged and you know you can only take getting beat up so much before all of a sudden it's time like you have to fight back and then what you start realizing is strategically how to do that to the point where you can control that anger and this is the star wars this is why i love that you're such a big star wars fan it's the difference between the dark side and being a jedi a jedi master knows how to control that and use it to your advantage whereas if you're going out there with pure anger you are going to get disqualified or you're going to get yourself hurt or you're going to seriously injure that person just to seriously injure that person. You're not trying to win a match. You're just trying to hurt someone. And it's very interesting how you grew into that. I love, you know, that, that idea that things started slowing down for you. You starting to hear things and see things clearly. And then you get a viral knockout going on (laughs) and, everything explodes i mean how how could you or how did you not could you but how did you um respond mentally to getting all this attention out of nowhere it was like a a a storm of attention for you it's crazy
0: it was it was insane because not many people and i don't really uh post my own, but I do have a TikTok that exploded last year over some rescue dog videos. And I got millions of hits. And I went through this once before. And I absolutely hated it. People on the internet are ruthless, are ruthless. So it's just as many amazing comments. I'm talking millions of views on that one. I got like 11 million views on my on the dog videos. And then it it went over to uh, Instagram. People stole my video and were using the footage. But long story short, th- there are so many beautiful comments and people that will write you stories of, oh, thank you for rescuing dogs. And thank you for doing this. And, I adopted a dog. I went to shelter today because of you. Yeah. Beautiful comments. And there's so many just disgusting. like, go kill yourself. Oh, you don't care about that dog. And, and I'm just like, Go kill yourself. I posted a 20-second video. <laughs> Go kill myself. Okay. So I went through that, and that prepared me for what I experience now, and I still experience every single day. People are freaking ruthless. So just as many positive yeah. things came from this. So much hate. People sit behind the computer and just, just, just internet trolls all day. And it's so funny to me that most of the people that are trolling are – uh, they have no profile picture. Their accounts are on private. Or they're saying something they can never do. Like someone severely out of shape called me fat yesterday. And I'm like, they literally... And and I have enough of a, a pitbull mafia where I don't say anything back. I completely ignore. Yeah. I block and I do not... I will not give you the sense. Because I remember in the beginning of the TikTok blow up, I responded sometimes because I felt like I had to explain myself. I had to... Fix this, and then I realize when you respond, you have a trail of people. Oh, she responds. Oh, I'm gonna message her because I now I want her attention that bad. Yeah. So it shows if it's negative that she'll respond. So I just stop responding, but I also stop responding to the positive. So it kind of sucks. Yeah. Because I do just don't read it. I absolutely don't read it. I you'll never catch me just sitting there reading through comments. If I see it in my notifications, I saw it. Great, but typically I can't sit here. Because I went through like go kill yourself. I'm gonna come find you. I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna go to your shelter and kill you. Like, like I can't read that. I can't. Wow. So same thing with the fighting. Like the every day I'm still the the weigh in video is still going viral. I don't know how, but it's at five million views, more than the knockout <laughs> the weigh in <laughs> video because of various reasons. But one of them being oh, I'm st- I'm not humble. I'm cocky like the way I walked up and once again, you have to be in the mindset. Like, I'm about to fight this girl.
1: Exactly. I
0: didn't say, I didn't talk any shit. I didn't say anything to her. I said absolutely nothing. The fact that I walked in like, I own the place, I'm sorry, but I'm about to fight. If you walk in nervous, that just shows that you are nervous. Like, it was nothing other than that's how I do Like, that's just who I am. Like, this is how I walk. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Especially on fight day. Like, <laughs>
1: Well, but the hate comments. So. No, no, you know, and that's and that's a fascinating take. I'm glad you said that because I've I've never really taken that perspective before in my own mindset. Because I'm, I I I have the same mindset you you do. You you have to be totally focused and in, in this zone because of the fact that this is serious. And I don't I, I what makes me so mad is that people don't realize that from the minute you walk into a weigh-in until the minute that the match is over that yeah. time frame of that 24 hours is probably the most um anxiety written 24 hours of your life because you're yeah. you're battling you you all the preparation you're battling having to had make sure you make the weight you know which is A a tough thing in itself to to lead up to. And then you have that little bit. And if you don't have that nervous energy of that unknown when you're walking out there, then you're going to get your ass handed to you. You have to have that little bit of those nerves just enough to make sure that you propel yourself to be so fucking focused that you're not going to end up you know, losing to this person, but you're also trusting, you know, people don't, people who don't fight realize that a fight is actually a fucking fight. Yeah. There's a lot at stake there, you know? I mean, how many people have been, um, you know, uh, even in, fuck, even in pro wrestling, you can be in the middle of something, and if you don't have that focus, you don't have that mentality of you know carrying yourself and and just seeing what needs to be done you can end up you know tragically getting injured or dying because you lost that thing that you need that edge that you need and something as simple as a way and fuck them they're better yeah. be. if you're not cocky why are you there
0: you want air
1: what's the point
0: yeah. <laughs> that's shit. when that's the mind games. Like how McGregor always won every fight. It wasn't just a fight. He got in their head, and when did he get in their head the most at the weigh-ins? Yep. So, for anyone to talk bad about how I acted at weigh-ins, I didn't even talk shit to her. Like, I literally just showed, I'm alpha. I don't care about your height. Like, I'm alpha. Yep. And that terrifies someone because when we got in that ring, I looked her in her eyes, like, I know you're scared of me. I know I'm a foot shorter than you, but I could tell you're scared of me because you've been thinking about me all night. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't talk. Like, you're like, yo, this girl is not, she ain't, I'm not here to play games. Like, this yep. is business. Yeah. So, like, that's a mind, that's half, just like you said, it's 24 hours. Like, that's half of the fight is the mental. Yep. And I do believe the mental game starts. If once I start doing pro fights, it will be a, press conference the mind games will start months weeks in advance yeah. but for us as amateurs especially because we're not from the same town she actually came down from like uh, north florida or something so it's the mind game started literally at way you yeah. don't know me and i don't know you so i don't know how you're gonna act and it, she could have walked in cocky too like what well, i don't know <laughs> right and that's a,
1: and that's another fascinating point because even with um you know amateur wrestling We couldn't scout, you know, especially back then. There was no, you know, videotape. People weren't, you know, doing that advanced scouting. So you only either know, A, through what you heard through Reputation. Or, B, you knew that you were showing up. There was a tournament. There were X amount of people that were in the brackets. And your, your sole focus was just beating whoever gets in front of you and I think you're right when you're a pro, man, there's so much more that you can study you can figure out you can see weaknesses if you can scout, yep. but when you can't scout you're it's literally like getting into a bar fight except that yeah. you, you know you both have <laughs> skills and yeah it's it's amazing that people you know can sit at home and just comment shit and it's like, you know what, fuck you if you haven't done it and you're right, don't read the shit because. Like you said, unfortunately, whether it be you're doing good things for dogs or you're fighting, there's always going to be someone out there who wants to shit on you because they don't like you. Even doing this, there are people who hate me. There are people who think, and right now, I tell you right now, they're going, that motherfucker is rambling on. He should shut the fuck up and let her talk. No, no, no. <laughs> but, but but they don't understand. People you know. always
0: hate. People yep.
1: always. Yep. Always. Exactly. So you know, mind games, and I'm glad you said mind games because that brought me to something that you said um, in your interview. I think it was uh, two weeks ago or a week ago or so with Aiden? Yeah.
0: with the Sports Culture Pod.
1: Yes, and what I loved was the idea of at the WW tryout. And uh, shout out to Travis, who uh, you Travis, shouted out. I
0: was yeah. waiting to drop Travis. I was like, what is he giving up Travis? Travis talked about you guys so much. And I was like, squad, anyone that's a friend of Travis is a friend of mine. Travis is the most, what, like, he's like, he's like me, but with more cursing. Like, if that's possible, I'm trying to, like, cut down my cursing, as you can see. But he's so blunt. He tell, he don't care who hears that like he just is that guy and you do not meet many people like travis (laughs) no you do not
1: it's you know humble at once (laughs) And, and (laughs) and he's got a good eye he's got a good eye and that's one of the things that i love and you know he 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 really when he brings someone to the attention of wwe he thinks about it. He doesn't just like you know go oh that person you know looks good or you know oh that person can move or what. He thinks about it. He's not. He's gonna put his reputation on the line by presenting someone to them. Yeah. And you know, obviously, he he had a, a nice group of of you guys and some of the people you know that you mentioned like uh, Nikita and Cole, um, and the twins all great people you know to to have in that situation and being together but one of the fascinating things you said is that for as physically exhausting as that is which is it's one of the hardest things to do as an athlete is to go through that tryout just physically but the mental games that are played and the draining talk a little bit about what you felt in that experience like What was it that those guys brought to you that really kind of, you know, played those games because they're very important things that are being done and they're not being done just to make you look bad or just to uh, haze you or anything. These are professionals who are giving you very, very important experience with that. What was that for you?
0: I think first off was like the whole experience of day one, just really not ever really knowing what was going on the first day. So it wasn't a hazing, but it was definitely like terrifying. So you walk in through a room of just, I call them suits. <laughs> so You walk into a room of suits and then, uh, which is all obviously the professionals of WWE, the, the men that make the decisions. And then, all of the WWE coaches that you just have watched so many videos on and just like, oh my God, like Matt Bloom to see him in real life was just like, you are 20 feet taller than what I've ever expected. <laughs> that man is so tall. It, and just like everything it was so professional. So you're walking in as like, you feel like um like, a freshman walking into orientation. Yeah, That's what it feels yeah. like. <laughs> you walk in and you're all in your, your uniform and we're all just like, what's going on? And for the first day, all we did was, for the first like four hours, was physicals, which took like 20 minutes each and then 20, 30 minutes each. And the next thing, if you weren't doing physical, you're doing a photo shoot. And we did nothing other than that for four hours. But imagine this, while we're doing that, all the suits and the professionals, they're in the corner Yeah, watching. Why? Because they're watching to see, do we sit on our phone? We have four hours to basically kind of chill, right? Are you on your phone? Are you talking to other teammates? Okay. Are you talking to the suits? Are you trying to exert yourself? Are you in the corner? Did you go outside to smoke a cigarette? Like, so, like, they are watching every obviously. I mean, I, I would hope that no one was smoking cigarettes <laughs> if you got invited. <laughs> they were watching everything you did, and you just don't know if they were just watching because they were bored or like yeah. they didn't have anything to do either, which they definitely were not bored. These people are not bored people. They were not on their phones either. Like, so there was just a mental game of what do I do for four hours? Yeah. Like, we didn't even know it was going to be four hours long. It just happened to be, like, I remember looking back at the time, I didn't take my phone out. I left my phone in my bag for all three days. Nobody. I was ghost. I was off-grid. Nobody even knew I was there. It was a very secret tryout. Nobody's supposed to know. So, like, but there was people in the tryout that had their phone in their pocket the whole time. I am 100% positive that they noticed. 100% positive they noticed. So, like, that day one was such a mental game of, like, you don't know when you're up next for the physical, and by the way, the physical was no joke. That was not a, that was not like an annual physical. That is, They're trying to test every joint in your body, trying to see if you've been concussed before, which for me was like, I'm good. I have never been knocked out. I'm okay. But other people have had concussions. They 86, like four people on day one. Sure. That means they couldn't do anything because of how strenuous that physical was, that they were like, you could stay for the tryouts, but you will not do anything physical, and ha- half the tryout is physical. So day one was just complete and utter mind game of, you are being watched. yeah You are 100% being watched, and you don't know, like, I knew some of the suits, you do not know who was really making those decisions, though. Right. You don't know who anyone right. really was. <laughs> you could be a suit, but you're not really a suit, you just wore suits today, I don't know. So day one was completely and utter my game day two and three was uh a lot of working out but same concept of you're a fish in a fishbowl yeah. and you're being watched so that was the the real mental game is like you don't know who's watching at any given moment there was zoom uh there was zoom pads there was uh, ipads that were set up so professionally and someone was watching you too from a remote location there was cameras everywhere. Like you do not know who's watching you. So every, I'm t- everything you did was watched. Like I'm sure there was cameras everywhere, and every, I'm sure of it, hundred percent sure of it. And in the good for them, they should, they should know exactly what we're doing. Yeah. And then, um, the mental game of your, you had to get in front of camera a few times and do promos, and you're not doing it in front of nobody. You're doing it once again in front of the suits, and it was recorded. So just the mental game of, like, you don't know who's watching. You don't know who's making decisions. You don't get to speak with someone and say, why did I get the tryout? Why did I get it? Like, they didn't even tell us till a week after. Yeah. Just so many mental games that I, you go through, and you're just like, oh, my God, did I ruin my opportunity? Oh, my God, I, I tumbled the wrong way, and someone yelled at me. Or I, you get up on the – none of us were wrestlers. Right. Absolutely none of us. There was, like, three – Nikita, the Renegade Twins – a few of the guys, uh, Mother Lover, he was so funny, um, Mother Lovin, uh, you'll never forget him, um, but they, there's everyone else is a D1 athlete, yeah. so I'm talking NFL, they were just in the NFL, got cut because of COVID, they're going into the NFL and deciding what they're going to do, or they, they're going to Olympics because of poll voting, they're going to track D1, everyone was a D1 athlete, and then there's me. I am a MMA amateur fighter who won Golden Gloves and got a cool knockout. But, like, humbly, I ain't shit. I absolutely am. not. Enough. I'm a nobody. I finished college. I have my bachelor's degree. At the end of the day, I was not a D1 athlete, though. So I was definitely on paper the bottom. 100% as an athlete. Like, I'm a nobody. If you don't know about fighting, a knockout to you, oh, cool. Bar fight. Nice. Cool. Like, honestly I, I was nothing on paper and walking into a room of nikita like oh my god like i look at her and i'm like she's a diva and i mean i don't even know at this point if she got picked i really hope she did but i don't think she got picked so like the like finding out there was only out of 49 people nine or 10 people total officially contracted I am in absolute shock, especially like the people that I thought would make it that were like, yo, they are a current you are a wrestler. Like you know everything. Like you know this. Like you and they didn't get picked. I'm like, I I don't even know. Like you don't know what they're looking for. You genuinely have no idea. I I know that after those three days, like I obviously didn't get picked. I did like heartbroken. I'm talking like three days of crying in my room. Like I am so heartbroken. I called Travis crying, and I just like I what like I want this so bad. I didn't realize how bad I wanted it until you get there and you realize, oh my god, this yeah. is the funnest experience ever. And I I didn't get picked, and I still want to be in WWE so bad. And now I just know the only way to get there is keep pushing, and and hopefully I can build my fighting accolades where they see okay on paper. She is on uh she is fighting professional athletes. Now she has her WBC belt. She is Golden Glove champion, she's national champion. Okay. She on paper, she's good. Yeah. And she was good at the wrestling. But we have a very short window because I know they have an age gap we're working with. So yeah. I'm kind of rushing. <laughs> so I don't know if it'll ever happen, but it's definitely like I'm not with it.
1: <laughs> well, and but you know, and that's that's a very fair point, um, because that's very new you know it's it's not something that's always been like that um and i think uh, to put you at ease too what's interesting about this is i don't think that they necessarily know what they're looking for until they see someone and just go yeah let's let's try this person um yeah. because they are they really are and i think wrestling fans um really don't understand that process that we're talking about something right now because of because of um, bringing in a guy like uh, Nick Khan who is very sports-minded and knows sports business very well that it's a new breed of the it factor that they're looking for it was very easy to say, you know um, I mean I, I trained back with uh, with Cena and Samoa Joe and you know they would fill in and, and coach you know coach us and uh, train us and they were only a year in back at UPW and we knew that both of those guys just had an it factor for professional wrestling as yeah. what it was at that time. I think right now that what's not understood is they're about to reinvent the wheel. And I think AEW had a big factor in it because you can see the difference now between what they're doing at AEW and what those fans like as compared to what the what the WWE is going to be trying to create. And it's going to be something that I am very, very fascinated to see how they create this because what they're doing now is they're making the next generation of John Cena's and Brock Lesnar's and Batista's and Randy Orton's and The Rock's and it's a different mold and it's fabulous to see you know what your guys perspective is as people who got an opportunity also as people who didn't have the wrestling experience versus those who have the wrestling experience. And it is very, very um, uh, interesting to see, you know, like if I'll watch someone and I'll see certain things because I see them wrestle. And then I'll see that they brought in, you know, a track star and you go, wow. And then (laughs) and then they put them on TV and you're going, I didn't I didn't think that would work. But then you're starting yeah. to go, but that person's got something there. And I don't know what it is, but it's there. And I think that that's what you're, you're going to find yourself. Like you said, you know, you want to keep yourself going forward quickly because of the window now. And yeah. it's what I love is everything you just said is exactly the right attitude about the motivation that you have, the hunger that you have. This is stuff that is the intangible. And I think that right now, and and one of the reasons, and I'll probably get shit for saying this, but a lot of people that I see on the indies right now, the reason that they don't get the opportunity is because they think they're owed the opportunity. And with you and a football player and a track star and none of you think you're owed shit. No, not at all. (laughs) and that's a big factor because you don't walk in there with a fucking chip on your shoulder like yeah i've been doing this for five years and you know and man i could tell a good story and blah blah. it's like fuck that you walk in i saw
0: that at trial like (laughs) literally exactly what you're describing i remember i can't even say if it was male or female because i don't want to give it away but like on god like the Indies, like, no offense, but, yo, entitlement. <laughs> like, entitlement. Yeah. I think maybe that's why they're choosing athletes, because we're not, we're not entitled to it. We're not. and, at
1: and all. The, and the, <laughs> the other thing that athletes have, and this is a very big factor, you're coachable. So, and, and being an actor, I'll tell you, the, the one thing that I've always prided myself on is that no matter what my situation is, I can listen to what a director tells me to do and I can do it because I'm focused on what they're telling me to do. And I'm there in that moment to do what they're doing or telling me to do because of the fact that it's not my product right? I'm not Tom Cruise. You know, Tom Cruise can do whatever the fuck he wants, right? You know, The Rock can do whatever he wants, but you're not The Rock. You're not Tom Cruise. You are someone who is there to fill this little cog in this machine to tell stories, to be part of a TV show every week, and to be able to adapt and listen. And ironically enough, what I think they're trying to do is formulate a mentality that because we work together, it's a team. It really is a team and it's a total different way to look at things. And I know that people are going to say that this guy, you know, they're going to say, well, Matt's just a fucking, you know, full of, (laughs) full of shit. And he doesn't know what he's talking about. And this is not the right way and blah, blah, blah. And they're not doing, but, and it's like you watch and you're going to see that that's what they're looking for. And team players are going to be the ones that are, you know, being given something that is absolutely ridiculous. And they're able to make it look like every single moment of it was real to them. Yeah. And athletes, again, they're coachable. And if you're, you know, like, you know, that's what excites me about you is you've got a personality, you've got a passion, you've got a desire, you're coachable, and you have a purpose that you're focused on. And I love that. And I think it it comes through in your work. I think that regardless if it's, you know, in pro wrestling, but I, you know, I think you're going to end up just kicking some ass over the next three years to no end man <laughs> which is phenomenally exciting because you know that the one thing you don't want to go out there and do is look stupid you want to win yep. and yep. I, and i love that that's admirable that you have the attitude is man i'm a winner you're not egotistical you're you're humble and you're confident and as As preparation meets opportunity, that's when you become you know you like you you know you've said when you start fighting, you realize that this is what you want to do for a career and I think that's you know one of the most admirable things because there's so much opportunity for you right now and damn, you are going to chase it and you know Travis saw that obviously because he wouldn't have contacted you otherwise um. They're yeah. not, you know, they're, listen, they love the, the Instagram stuff. They love the YouTube stuff that hundred percent, every single person who wants to make it at the WWE or any, um, you know, AEW impact. That stuff is very important right now, but, yeah. but your personality shines through and makes that it's not just, you're not just doing flippy shit and, you know, <laughs> yeah,
0: like, oh we edited it like no this is normal (laughs) yeah
1: so it's it's amazing and i'm so i'm so like proud that you got that experience because um you know you were in front of like i said samoa joe to me um oh
0: super nice super nice (laughs) so,
1: so smart so smart you know, at at 23 years old, he knew more about, not about what it took to, um, to put the stories together. You know, he was learning all the, the ins and outs of actual wrestling. But he would do things like if for whatever reason you went down with, you know, something in your shoulder or you had a nagging little injury, he'd look at you and say, go on the bike work out, do squats. do And he would say, you guys are going to need this. You have to be mentally and physically at the peak. And if you can't compete in the ring right now, if you can't throw punches, if you can't, you know, take bumps, work your body out otherwise, you know, other ways. Watch, learn, intake. Don't fucking bullshit with other people. And it's so important that, you know, people take that, those lessons and your, your great aspect is your team that you train with right now for MMA, you got a hell of a a team, you know? (laughs) And we're wild.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They make their presence known at the goat shed. That's for one thing. (laughs) Good or bad, that's the one thing we learned that good press, bad press, awesome. Awesome head coach is like, I don't care. We we get impressed. I'll tell you that right now. He is like he is like the WWE of the MMA world, which is so funny. (laughs) He he creates the storyline. He makes sure that we might be the villain, but we also the good guys sometimes, but typically we're
1: villain. Villain? (laughs) Isn't that so much more fun? Two, to like because who wants to be the good guy, man? You want to walk in there as the villain, you know? <laughs>
0: yeah, like goat shed, like the whole. It's like a gang. It's a hundred percent a gang. The, I I learned before before he even got big, like he still had a gang. It was they would roll up to. It was, we were at KO Zone, and he would roll up to weigh-ins, which is a gang of of guys, and no other team was doing that. Yeah. and then it became a thing when he created the goat shed and every time you go to weigh-ins 30 people deep people just even professional athletes don't have a game <laughs> so it's so funny and i now i'm like i mean i i work at two i train at two, two different gyms but i still keep that mentality like mafia like i think that it's so important to walk into weigh-ins and just be with a squad of people and just show everyone like you like i got a you, you not fighting me. You fighting me, him, her, them, my dog. I don't know. Everyone's here, is, and that's terrifying. Like you're walking in with with your um, your uncle and, and your your boyfriend and, and like one other person. We got like ten people deep. Like I had, like if something pops off, we all fight Like it's not, <laughs> another mind game for you. Another always walk into a way in with a squad
1: always you you just said something that i don't think i've ever seen done and i think that you it would be phenomenal if you could figure out first off if it could be done but i've never seen anyone walk either to ring or even to a weigh-in or press conference with the dog. dog yeah
0: i like as you're saying it that sounds so cool yeah i the only thing i i don't know if i could do just the noise
1: i know I would
0: have to it would have to be like press conference vibes. right? If it was, it was fight date, no, it's too loud and I would not be able to uh you're with my dogs with me and then I definitely would I would take my dog to to travel and to go to the fight. Right. But um
1: yeah, to be a but, lot on the dog. But
0: press conference. Oh, I would yeah, now I definitely want to train her to be in the inside to be that'd be so cool that would be so cool but then i was like do you want to bring your dog to possibly get kicked or like a fight breaks out and your dog's part of like that's
1: you you have you (laughs) honestly you have you have one close person because again it's it's great because if you have a gang of people with you you have one close person that as soon as you get up to the plat they take the dog they move back a little bit you do your business and it really is now a, a setup and damn man it'd be cool to see a
0: uh, to, school, see, to like have end up be a rescue dog, like to yeah. to, to Cause that's my whole thing. It's not like pit bull. A lot of uh breeding. I mean, I'm not gonna get into the breeding thing, cause it's one. Of, it's like talking politics from yeah. the dog world. Yeah. But clearly, I'm not for breeding. Obviously, I work at a dog shelter, <laughs> and it just would be nice to to show off pit bull in a different way. The only reason I am Danielle Pitbull is cause the dog shelter. I need a new no. Instagram name. And I just, I love pit bulls. Danielle let bring awareness to the breed.
1: You know, a couple of years
0: later, fighting, there you go. Like it didn't, because, it was not other than anything other than that. It's very simple.
1: It's, it, it's, it's so good too, that it was pit bulls that you fell in love with and not like corgis. Cause like Daniel corgi would be horrible. <laughs>
0: Horrible, corking mafia. I, I love how, like, looking back over the years, it's evolved from Danielle Pitbull to Pitbull, Pitbull. Mo- to Pitbull yeah. shit to Pitbull gang to Pitbull mafia, and that was the day before that fight. I looked at myself in the mirror, and I was like, I don't want to curse anymore. I need to be able to speak eloquently. I'm, I'm a college freaking graduate, and I curse in every sentence because all I say is Pitbull shit. And, yeah, it's trendy. But you can't do it anymore, Danielle. So I I had like a like a realization, like, fix this. So I said, you know what? Pitbull gang? No. Pitbull mafia. Because that is gangster. That is New York. That is the sopranos. Like nobody else is a mafia. Yeah. Who else is a mafia? And then it's all inclusive. You want to be part of my mafia? It's not. That's the thing. It's not, you know, this fighting's not a one. It is me versus her. It's one-on-one. But it's not the whole fight camp. I have a strength coach, I have a boxing coach, I have another boxing coach, I'm an MMA coach, I have a weight coach specialist, I have a, like my homies. Like I you have so many people. It's it is a solo sport, but it's not. So I do believe everyone in my team is not a team. We're now a mafia. Now we're family.
1: Exactly. People
0: say that. Family, nah mafia. Yeah. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> and if anyone steals it from me, you'll know. I don't I don't know any that's the one thing about what I do. I don't co- like I don't. If I do it, it's unintentional. I have not used someone else's blueprint yeah. to get to this. So like everything I'm doing is very different. So some people love it, some hate it. But either way, if you ever start seeing mafia from the fighting world,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I wasn't. I know I didn't steal from no one. <laughs>
1: Uh, along those lines, uh, before we, uh, you know, uh, end the conversation here, um, please let everyone know how they can follow you on social media. Because, um, you know, I know that you've hit some higher numbers now, but um, I, I want to see you get to the uh, one million, two million, three million followers. So give give that good so
0: every... <laughs> on everything. with Danielle Pitbull. Very simple. If you can't find me, you can do hashtag mafia. If you've dropped a hate comment in the past, for blocks. So that's why you can't find me. So just, just know that. I've never deleted my account or got hacked. So if you can't find me, you definitely dropped a hate comment. I do apologize. Actually, I don't apologize. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, not sorry.
1: You don't have to apologize because if someone's a dick, they deserve to, you know, they're not there to support you. They're there to uh agitate and that's not cool and um i think that you know with your personality with your your drive and stuff the last thing you need is people to just start shit because they can't or they're jealous or uh they just you know have a negative personality and, po- and look at a life through those lens screw them screw them yeah and um you know you're 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 gonna be experiencing uh, this kind of following for the rest of your life, man. And um, the last thing you need is is people to be out there just trying to, to cut you down for who you are. And um, that's the one thing that I, I hope everyone takes away from this is that you can tell when someone is uh, full of shit and then you can tell... <laughs> That you are not one of those people. That you are genuine and true, and um, it's exciting. And I can't wait to see how your career grows and, and what direction you your career ends up taking you. It's going to be just phenomenally exciting to uh, to see you you know elevate the uh, the Pitbull Mafia to uh, a national <laughs> brand.
0: The Vegas bad boys are part of the pitbull mafia. You have been what do you call it? Not indicted. That's, that's that's so bad. You have been knighted. You have been knighted into the pitbull mafia. That's what we're using now. <laughs> King's Queens Mafia. <laughs> Put it all together. <laughs> you,
1: you know the the funniest thing is that Unfortunately, if you're part of a mafia, you probably have been indicted at some point. (laughs) That's true.
0: (laughs) I've been watching a lot of Blacklist lately. I'm I'm binging. So my vocabulary is very gangster in the best way. (laughs) I want to be Reddington of the fight world. I want to be able to wear the hat and the suit.
1: (laughs) Dude, pimping it out. I love it. I love it. All right, everyone, thank you for tuning in. And again, follow Danielle. Um, there are bigger and better things on the horizon every single day with her and uh, a very, very entertaining watch on Instagram. Uh, you start scrolling through and the next thing you know. um you Oh, oh my god it's like you start seeing you, you see some fight stuff and it's like oh yeah this is cool and then all of a sudden you start seeing these adorable dogs and you're like oh man your heart starts melting and then all of a sudden it's like working out like a monster and it's just like
0: with <laughs> it's awesome. I mean I, seriously
1: I was sitting there and I'm just like I look up and I'm like oh shit I just spent 40 minutes just <laughs> i
0: stuck I'm in the matrix
1: yeah <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you guys next time. I think bad boys of podcasting.